Welcome to Kashrus on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine. And tonight we have a very important show. Uh, we're going to be discussing two topics. One very much related to what we've talked about in the past. It's about Shabbos. It's from the OU, and I think it's been very interesting for everybody. And uh, a lot of uh, halachas and practical things we're going to learn about Kit Gushim and catered affairs that take place on Shabbos. The second topic is going to be about, believe it or not, payos. And I'm not talking about uh, Hasidish payos and Yeshivish payos. I'm talking about what the Torah says about payos. And we're going to find that, that, I think you're going to find that very interesting. And I think we're going to, anyone who is listening, any men who are listening, make sure you hear that section because. Uh, what you're going to learn, I, nobody I'll think is listening to the show knows, at least not exactly the way we're going to be able to explain it to you. So but without further ado, we're going to begin with our first topic, which is about Shabbos. Now, what, what we do need to know about Shabbos is that uh, it comes every week, and uh, even though when there's a simcha, people are busy, etc., you have to be very careful with the laws of Shabbos. So uh, for years now, I've been waging a war, unsuccessfully, to get the shuls in the Flatbush area to post a list of rules that are for that particular shul. The rabbi approves it, the rabbi in charge of the list, and we, we made available to our listeners a list that I prepared, which was given to one shul and has still not been posted. Nothing has been posted over there. And I, I'm very frustrated because week after week we see Chilo Shabbos taking place, whether it's by Goyim or Jews is not the issue per se, but it's still Chilo Shabbos. How does it look in front of a shul in, in Flatbush or in Borough Park, I'll say Flatbush, let's take, where, where that shul doesn't believe in the Eruv, and yet you see the bags of garbage outside that are brought out on Shabbos. You see them tied up with a double knot. And you see uh, all kinds of things going on in the shul where they pulled out a plug in this. And whatever it is, there's very interesting things happening in very from shuls, even because nobody seems to be caring about it. And uh, what happens in these places is not just that the non-Jews are doing it, but very often it's non-religious Jews who are hired to be the waiters. And it's a very uh, big problem. There's no mashkichim. There's no, you're not even a Shomer Shabbos there. Nobody knows the halachos. And week after week, this occurs with all the Kiddushim Baruch Hashem that we have in our neighborhoods, through all the good simchas that we have. Unfortunately, Chil Shabbos continues week after week. So I'm going to read to you now from something that the OU just put out. It's from the Dafa Kashris, which was from January 2017. It's called the OU Shabbos Food Service Guidelines from Rabbi Indich. Again, the OU Shabbos Food Service Guidelines. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there are about six or seven items that are very impertinent, and I think uh, for many of you, they may be chedushim. So let's start with the first. Any food taken out of a warmer that is plugged in may not be returned under any circumstances. We're talking about with a Jew or Goy putting it in. We don't allow them to open it and put back any food. Number two, any plug that came out of any piece of equipment cannot be put back in, regardless of whether the food is fully cooked or, or even if it's hot. It makes no difference. So that, that's, of course, referring to a non-Jew. We don't expect a Jew to put the, 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 the plug back in. But there are many simchas where this is happening. And I, I, we've seen some very interesting things. One place I, I mentioned here a few weeks ago, we, 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 we saw a, a gentleman coming in right about Shabbos, but just a couple of seconds, a couple of minutes, minutes before Shkia. He runs downstairs, and uh, he took with him the urn, fills it up with water, and is just about to plug it in. And one of the people from the shul stopped him and said, uh, excuse me, you know, it's almost Shabbos. Oh, really? He wasn't even aware. So, I mean, that's a big question mark in my mind. If he's a real Shabbos observer, if he's not, how he's not aware of that. But even if he was or not, this is not, you know, he's one st- he step away from Chilo Shabbos. 
We don't know if it was before the Shkia or right a minute after Shkia, but it was right at that exact moment. So uh, we're talking about uh, what happens in a frumshul because there's no supervision. There also nothing listed uh, rules of, uh, of how to conduct yourself on Shabbos. Another thing which it says here, which is something that we've talked about in the past, no specialized cutting tools or kitchen utensils may be used on Shabbos. For example, a sifter. What are you using a sifter for on Shabbos? That's one of the malachas. A grater. In the spot, you can't grate foods on Shabbos. Also malacha. Toichin. Or specialty cutting utensils made for specific purposes. But you can use a melon ball scooper. That's a natural way of taking something out. It's like a spoon. Or an ice cream scooper. Because, it's, again, it's going to make a little... Maybe it's going to come out in a nice way for you. It'll be a little... A little uh, you know, nicely packed for you, and it looks like a little ball, but still in all, it's just a regular spoon that's just a curve. That's nothing exciting. Now, this one, I mentioned it here a week or so ago, and I saw that uh, people uh, found this a little strange, but I'm reading it from the OU Guidelines for Shabbos. Cans of whipped cream may not be used because you're forming something there. It's called a noilet. One one person I told was talking to about it. I said, "Sure, their, their teacher, I think, it was in a girls' school, um, taught them that parsley or or another uncooked vegetable cannot be sprinkled on top of a hot piece of chicken or meat." This is one area that most of our listeners don't know anything about, but the men uh, may have learned it. It's called dava gush. It's a marshal. It's true. It's not uh, everybody signing on to it, but it's the accepted halacha, the way we conduct ourselves, is, uh, is to be machmir for this marshal. The marshal says that a dove gush that retains its heat even though it's in a klisheni. So th- let, what does that mean in English? We have something that's cooking in a pot. That's called klirishon. We take it out of the pot and we put it onto something else, another surface. That's called a klisheni. So with a bowl of soup, it's called klisheni. And there are certain things you can add and do in a klisheni. However, if you're taking something out which is a solid and you put it on a plate, it's still considered to be a dove gush, a thick substance, a, you know, a, a solid mass, and therefore it doesn't have the rule of klisheni. The way I do when I explain this to people is I take something which is a, um, you know, which is an oblong shape. It's something that's a, uh, you know, like a, a box of tissues, for example, and I put it on the side. Not, not the length, but the width way. So it's, it's, it's shooting up in the air. Or something else that shoots up in the air. And you see the surface on the bottom where it's touching, let's say, the plate. And this, so this thing that, sh- that is a little box or whatever it is going upwards, most of it is above the, above the plate. Very little surface area is being cooled off by the plate. And therefore, as opposed to the, a soup, which is taking the form of the uh, container, and it's being spread all around and being cooled off by the, uh, by the bowl because it, the bowl absorbs the heat from the soup. That cools it off quickly, but the, uh, but the solid is going to retain its heat much longer. Now, of course, it's also going to get cold, but right now it's hot. And Kozman Shehushi Yadza Lettuce Bow, as long as it's Yadza Lettuce Bow, as long as it's that hot, 110 degrees or whatever the number is, then it will be a it, it will be able to asser something. We're able to cook on Shabbos. It'll be able to cook for Basa Bachalov. It'll be able to cook for Iser. And the, all the halachas of Dabagush are as if it would be still in a Klirishon. It doesn't change its state. So what he says over here, Rabbi Indich from the OU, on the OU Shabbos food service guidelines, which I'm reading from, it says that parsley or any other uncooked vegetable cannot be sprinkled onto a hot piece of meat or chicken. Also, you can't sprinkle it on a hot gravy, which is on top of the hot meat, because the meat is the stuff of gush. So, in other words, whether it's directly onto the meat or it's on a gravy that's on the meat, we can't spray it now because the bottom 
overrides the top. That's called Tata Gover, and it's considered to be a cooking situation on Shabbos. It's a very important halacha that I think many people don't know. And that would be your cholent also, chamin for the svardim, where you have a solid piece of uh, meat or potato, and can you, you have to treat what goes on top of it. You have to make sure that there's no shayla from bishul, like if it's already cooked already, etc. But to put something on that's never been cooked, a raw thing on top of the um, on top of a piece of meat or chicken or or kugel or potato that came out of the fire and that's burning hot now, if you're putting something onto that that hasn't been cooked yet, you have a shayla of cooking on Shabbos. Another one. Knives may not be sharper than Shabbos. Now, who's going to sharpen a knife? Listen carefully. Even without use of a tool, and they may not be sharpened by rubbing two knives together. Many people would think rubbing two knives together is just friction, Nothing's happening, but it's not true. That really works, to sharpen the knife. And when people do that, they're meaning it's a chil Shabbos. Now we continue. I have only a couple more. Now the issue of washing dishes or utensils for after Shabbos, we're talking now about hachon on Shabbos for after Shabbos. Doing something on Shabbos for after Shabbos. That's a very big problem. And that's exactly what, we were, what many of these issues are with these non-Jewish people who are working at a caterer or are working in a, in a kitchen in a, in a shul, they're preparing for tonight. So they, well, that's why some of them will pull a plug out of the uh, urn, will pull the plug out of the, uh, the warmer. They'll, they'll, they'll get the whole the equipment ready to go. So right after Shabbos, when they're allowed to, uh, to load up the car or the, the van, so they're, they're all ready with all the, all the things to go. And they've washed dishes and they've all this stuff and stuff. Now, the issue of washing dishes or utensils for after Shabbos has come up often and it's questionable. If the purpose of having the non-Jewish workers wash the dishes is so that the caterer will be able to leave quickly after Shabbos or that he won't have to pay his workers after Shabbos to stay late, then this would not be permitted. It's clearly we call hachana, the preparation on Shabbos for a weekday, and amira la'akum, telling a goy to do something that's forbidden on Shabbos. If, however, the workers on their own choose to do the dishes so that they'll be able to leave early, then it's called a daita de nafshe kavit. That means that they're doing it on their own. And it would be permitted. Since there's a very thin line between these two things about what's permitted and not permitted, the mashkiach must make an assessment as to the true motives of the caterers and of the workers. If he suspects that it's really not and uh, they're on their own volition, but really the caterer wants them to do it, then he should instruct them that the OU policy is not to allow the washing of dishes on Shabbos for after Shabbos. Next line is great. It takes much Yerush Shemayim for Mashkiach to really ascertain the true reason, and he should be careful when making the determination. <laughs> He's got to be careful for two reasons. One is Hashem, and the other one is his boss. Because if he if he tells the boss, you can't do that on Shabbos, you got can't tell the workers to do that, you have to make sure they don't do it, <laughs> then he's uh, going to be asking for a new mashkiach next week. On the other hand, if he lets them do it, then he's not the real mashkiach. So it's, as Rabbi Indish is saying, it takes a lot of Yerushimayim. That's a tough, tough, tough call, because you're right in the face of the of the owner. Next one. If the a hotel requires that the meal, sorry, requires that after the meal the ovens be turned off on Friday night, or on Shabbos day, the meal the non-Jewish worker may turn off the fires since he's not doing it for the caterer, and we're only concerned about the caterer because that's what we're doing. But for the hotel, they're requiring it, but it, we're not asking him to do it. Additionally, garbage may be removed from the kitchen even where there's no Erev since it's being done for the hotel as they wish to maintain health department rules and cleanliness. Obviously, it's not permissible to do it for the shul because the shul does not believe in the Erev. The shul did not want them to do it. The shul would have been very happy if they left it inside and they had to schlep it out during the week or the ashes a place outside to leave it which was within, within the Erev that the shul would have wanted that, and the shul asked for that on some level. They must have communicated with somebody, but it doesn't filter down to the goyim, to the workers, to the 
And then practically every single Shabbos they have the Kiddush, there is a Chilul Shabbos taking place. And an embarrassing situation for the shul. Ice cream may not be placed on top of a hot piece of cake or pie. That's the same question of Davagush that we discussed before. So this is the whole thing. And I'm going to now tell you that uh, how you can get this if you'd like to get it. It doesn't cost anything. But not only that, if you want to get Dafa Kash, as we've mentioned here a few times, and every time we do, they get a flurry of uh, requests at the OU, and a few eyebrows go up. But so far, they haven't asked me to stop mentioning it. <laughs> so I'm going to keep mentioning it. You can get the Dafa Kashas free every time it comes out. I don't know, it's like a half dozen times a year. And uh, you can ask for this one specifically, which is January 2017, by just sending an email to Grossman, just the way it sounds, G-R-O-S-S-M-A-N, at O-U.org. Grossman at ou.org and ask to be put on the list for Daf Hakashwas, and hopefully they'll put you on the email list for that. Now, that without further ado, I'm going to mention uh, a few important things before we get to our next topic, which is very, very important. Last week, I made an announcement that we had finally gotten two uh, people who are ready to teach men and who are ready to teach women but but insect infestation and checking them and how to make sure that your vegetables are clean. It's geared to a person knowing what to do. It's geared not to a mashkiach, it's geared to a home person, whether it's the housewife or the husband. It's geared to make sure that you understand how to do it yourself. You would see the insects. You will be able to make sure that it's clean. You will know what it's all about. And it won't have to be something that uh, you're going to uh, have to keep buying expensive uh, vegetables. And a lot of times you can do the thing yourself. But you will understand the whole mechanics of it. It's, it's geared to your success. Each person gets hands-on. It's limited to five or six people in a group. So far, we only have one group that signed up. And the rest, of, there's plenty of groups, uh, you know, space available. So what I want to do is I don't want anybody to tell me that they want to come to the group. We don't need that now. We want people who will set up the group. The group is uh, going to cost about $100 or so uh, for the equipment. And uh, each person has to pay that because they end up with a light box and then uh, a loop. And it's the special paper that we use to check the water. And it, it's going to it's not paper actually it's a it's a you know it's a man-made thing anyway it's a very uh, wonderful program by two people uh, are doing it two separate people they're very well trained very well respected in the industry and if you'd like to uh, get the details about it so I would put you in touch with with both of them and you'll be able to set up whichever one works out for you so send me an email. Kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. Kashrus at AOL.com. If you are interested in setting up a group of five or six people to meet, I think, two sessions, it could be your house, it could be the shul. We don't need necessarily the place yet. We just know that somebody will put it together. That's what we need. We don't want the people who want to come. We want the people who are ready to set it up, and they will try to get you in contact, and you can book a date, and everything will flow from there. So again, kashris at AOL.com. On the outside, just say um, bug checking. That's all. Bug checking is good enough. Okay? And uh, send it to me, the email, and we'll get in, and we'll give you the two numbers to call and make it up with them directly. That was last week. Now, this week, I have a special announcement. There is a class that's starting Motzei Shabbos. It's not for people. It's for future mashkichim. So if anybody's interested in becoming a mashkich, and we are specifically looking, we're targeting young people in their 20s, maybe in their early 30s, this is what we're looking for. People who, are, who, are getting in, who want to get into the field they'll have immediate employment. Not mostly Shabbos, but they'll be started to be trained, and within a very short period of time, they will have a job as a mashkiach in one of the better-paying uh, hashkachas. 
and also they're coming in as a professional. So I don't know the exact scale. This you can find out uh, when, we, when, we, when we communicate. But I want you to, if you're interested in that, then you just send me an email, kashrus at aol.com, K-A-S-H-R-U-S at aol.com. Just write mashkiach training on the outside. You don't have to write anything inside. I'm not giving you a name, but otherwise just say, I'm going to get telephone number two and mashkiach training, and we'll put you in touch with the, uh, p- the person who's setting up the program. And I think you'll have a wonderful time because it's not, we're not talking about, but it's not just one position available. We need a large number of people right now to join the field. And that's why I've, I've been asked to make this announcement. I think it will be a, uh, a wonderful program. It doesn't take that long, and you'll get, be get employed very soon. So if you're interested in, in trying a job in Kashrus, you're interested in this area, of course, your eyes have to be good, but uh, otherwise it's not, no, nothing that uh, anybody can't do. And uh, we're looking for young people to join the field. If you're interested, just write Mashkiach Training on the outside of an email to Kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com, and you could also do that as a texting. You could text us, and if you want to call our office, just leave a message. I'm interested in the Mashkiach training program, 718-336-8544. 718-336-8544 for the Mashkiach training program. Okay, now the next thing we have on the list here is about an area, wow, time's moving along, is about something that I... I, I kept, somebody came in to me this week. He sent me an email, and he said, I'd like to suggest that you do this as a show. So I thought he was kidding about the payers. And then I, I went to, the, to see the videos that he showed me, and it's phenomenal. But I'm going to tell you all about it in a minute. Before we mention that, I'm going to mention a word about Glotmart, which is our sponsor. Glotmart is conveniently located at 1205 Avenue M. When you think of of Glotmart, think of price, service, convenience, and quality. Whether you shop for a few items or for a full wagon load, you can save plenty of money by shopping at Glotmart. And at Glotmart, you'll save time by using their valet parking service. Just pull into Glotmart from the East 12th Street entrance. They'll park the car for you and have it ready to load up with all those special items that you purchase in the store. Let me read to you a few items that are on sale this week. That means on today and tomorrow. Starting Wednesday is a new group. I don't have that right now. But here's some interesting um, uh, meat options. Shoulder London broil, $9.99 a pound. Family pack minute steak, $11.99 a pound. Boneless beef spare ribs, $13.99 a pound. And here, this is very interesting. I, I, I don't, you don't know anything about it, probably, unless you've seen it before. It's called Kosher R Us Pelmeni Chicken Beef Turkey. Again, Kosher are us pelmeni chicken beef turkey. That means chicken or beef or turkey. I think there's three choices there. And it's $5.99. Every place else I looked, they're selling it for $8.39. And it's, a, it's an interesting company, very from people in our neighborhood, Chasisha Group. Um, they, they took this over a few years ago or a year or two ago, whatever it is. Wonderful people. I met them recently, and I was very impressed. So if kosher are us Pelmeni chicken beef turkey, $5.99. Amnon's regular eight slice pizza, $7.39. Onions, three pounds for 99 cents. Clementines, two pounds for $3.49. And Tuftam Tahina, regular Israeli, two for five dollars. J and J regular ice uh, cappuccino, eleven ounce, one forty-nine. And at Glatmart, the quality of meats is A1, with kosher certification from, the, uh, from both the Star K and the Vatakashas of Flatbush, with base Yosef meats and with expert Nikor. At Glatmart, you're getting quality kashras. Glatmart is at 1205 Avenue M, meaning your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet Dove in Glatmart, tell them you heard about Glatmart uh, uh, on Kashras on the Air or with Jaywood Radio. Now, this topic we're going to talk about, Payas. Every man has a responsibility to make sure that his payas are not cut. 
We're not talking now about yeshiva shepeyes behind the ears, yeshiva shepeyes down the, the side, chasiyah uh, shepeyes this way, that way, rolled this way. No, we're not talking about the, the style of the peyes. But the bottom line, every person, even if he doesn't have what you call yeshiva shepeyes, he still has to have that his peyes were not cut. They can't be cut with a tar and, and, or something too close. Anything less than a number two on the haircut machines is going to be considered to be uh, 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 cutting off his payas. And no, Jew is, no Jewish man is allowed to have cut his payas. Women don't have this rule, but no Jewish man can have his payas cut or cut him himself. The same thing, basically, whether he's sitting in a chair and somebody does it for him or he does it himself. So that's a basic halacha. Then there's a halacha in Shulchan Archid, it's in Kuf Payalaf. And it talks all about it. The only thing is, there's nothing really clear over there. And the only way you can know this whole thing is from somebody showing you a picture or explaining it to you carefully exactly where the spot is. Now, there's a gentleman, his name is Avi Wiesenfeld, Rabbi Avi Wiesenfeld. He's a Rosh Koilil in Eretz Israel, And he has an amazing series of shiurim on halacha. I haven't, I haven't heard, had a chance to listen to any of them other than this one I'm talking about now. But on Torah, anytime, there's a, a, men, a million of them over there. I don't even know the number. It's like a slews of them, maybe a hundred or more. Unbelievable, each one of his little shiurim. And very well prepared, excellently prepared. But this year, about the haircuts, he made all around the world. And uh, I happened to have checked to find a, a video, and I found two of them, but there's probably many of them running around. One is on matzav.com. It's Haircuts in Halacha, it's called. Haircuts in Halacha on, on matzav.com. But if you want to go to Torah anytime, I just went there today and I saw that they have it over there. It's called, it's, first of you look at Torah anytime and you write in Rabbi Avi Wiesenfeld, W-I-E-S-E-N-F-E-L-D. And uh, they have, sometimes they give you a choice if you want uh, what sections, because he's got the hundred of them, you don't want to search around. So you write in uh, Halacha, Halacha, Jewish law, that section called Halach and Jewish law, and it pops up, and then you can choose what we call how to have a haircut. I'm sorry, how to have a kosher haircut. How to, ha- how to have a kosher haircut. That's what he did on that one. It seems they were done different places. The one on Matzav was done in May of uh, last year, and the one um, on, on Torah Anytime was done uh, on, in, in February of of 2015, two years ago. But it, almost the same words. I listened a little bit to it, and they're almost the same words. It's uh, One is a little shorter. The one in 2015 is 30 minutes, and the other one is 40 minutes. But it's worth every second to listen to this. Now, you don't have to buy this. and I'm saying you don't have to listen to this. Many people don't go into the internet. They don't have videos. and Okay, I'm going to give you a simple thing, uh, another way to get his material. Again, I, I don't know if you don't have any... Uh, computer and you don't do any uh, anything outside of you know just email I don't know if I can help you but Torah Masora has a, a, a website called chinuch.org chinuch.org and on their website they have a a beautiful thing I'm trying to get a whole copy of it I'm hopefully going to get copies of it and then maybe I can even send you the copies uh, you can put them in the shul it's an amazing uh, piece of work. It's called the Kosher Haircut Guide. It's really everything that Avi Wiesenfeld talks about, but it's, um, it's on one page. But uh, you, 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 you could get it at chinach.org. That, that's what the best way I could tell you. You can shop around there, right, in haircuts and whatever, and you'll get that. There's another thing that he also, which is very important, and this is an easy way for everybody to come in contact with it, you might just walk into your Hebrew bookstore. And in your Hebrew bookstore, you, you look for his pamphlet because he did a pamphlet called Halachas of Haircuts. Halachas of the Haircut. And that's Rabbi Wiesenfeld. It's a little pamphlet. I think it's $3.99 in the stores. It's put out by Feldheim. So it's not a big deal if you want to pick it up and read it yourself. Basically, what's going on in here is he shows how many people who are very from and have big payas are cutting off their payas. That's what he shows. He shows you how to decide on a three-pronged way where you can cut and where you can't cut. And he shows you that you have to start 
on the top of your head where the brow is, goes up, and then it goes down the sides near the temples. And that point, you draw a line, imaginary line, from that point down behind your ear. Down behind your ear. If you drew that line straight from wherever the brow ends, and you go straight down to behind the ear, that's the area that can't be cut. And a lot of times, people have rounded payas, and they have this kind of payas and that kind of payas, and they're actually cutting off significant places which is forbidden to cut. So that's the that's square number one, and then it shows you how down, how low to go, because that's a famous topic, how long your sideburns have to be for a buck who doesn't have a beard, you know, where a person doesn't have a beard, how low does he have to make his sideburns? And all of that is discussed and shown on these videos and in the booklet. And I strongly recommend to every man who's listening to this and every woman to tell their husbands either to go on the web if you do that and write, just type in um, halachas of haircuts. You'll get everything I'm talking about. Or go to matzav.com and look at haircuts in halacha. Or go to... Um, Torah Anytime, type in Rabbi Avi Wiesenfeld, W-I-E-S-E-N-F-E-L-D, uh, and look for his, his, uh, his, 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 his um, video, How to Have a Kosher Haircut. Or you can do, as I said, you can go on to um, the chinuch.org, or maybe you can call Torah Masor and get it from them. I don't know. But whatever it is, you, ha- you, you look for that thing called the Kosher Haircut Guide, a one-page, clear as a bell, everything on there. So now, without further ado, I'm going to welcome anybody to call and talk about whatever they like. Uh, it doesn't have to be about payas. It doesn't have to be about Shabbos. Hopefully, it's about kashvas or brachos or something related. We, <laughs> we don't have anything. I don't have any psychological advice to give you. That's my brother. So here we are, Kashvas Magazine uh, and on Kashvas on the Air over j Radio. And you can call us now at 718 683 5858. Again, 718 718- Six eight three five eight five eight. You can call now. If you want to text us, you can do that too. Just text to three four seven nine two seven eight three nine eight. Three four seven nine two seven eight three nine eight. Text us whatever you like, and uh, then also, uh, so if you want to call us, it's seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. Now, somebody did text in already. They want to know the number to call here live. I think, I don't know if he means to call us at 718-683-5858. But if you wanted to listen live, it's 718-506-9099. That's the local number here, 718-506-9099. That's the local number you can call to hear J-Root live over a telephone. Okay, anybody calling? Yeah, we got a caller. Okay, we're going to pick it up in just a minute. And uh, you can call also, 718-683-5858. Go ahead, you're on Cassius on the air. Can I help you? Yeah, I just want to tell you, I don't know if you're aware, there are a couple of Shkach agencies that do send around Meshkicham and Shabbos to check up on jobs and to make sure to the Shem Shabbos there. Um, Kihila sends on around, Tantika Bezin sends on around, Tanapal sends around. I'm the food business. I've met these people on jobs. They come around to make sure to the Shemesh Shabbos, make sure there's no flattest poems. All the Hilchel Shabbos is followed, and that's our Goyesha work is there. It sounds beautiful. And, and, and you have to know that that's called a catered affair. Um, so if, if, you're right. If the Hashgacha is giving, is Hashgacha and the catered affair, then they sometimes have those rules that you're talking about, which is beautiful. There's a couple of issues I would, I would make about that. First of all, it's a long Shabbos. There's Friday night, the Shabbos morning, and there's the, the Su'uda that they have after the Kiddush. It's a lot of time. That man that you're talking about comes in and out in five minutes. In addition, he doesn't see who leaves Friday night if there's busser shinis alim min ha'ayin, if the meat and the That's food... That's part of the thing. They check for seals. Everything has to be sealed. Separate ovens. Separate ovens for Friday night. Separate ovens for Shabbos. Okay. Um, to make so sure ma- the one that's mavoshal, you have to give these people credit. They're to go it, around. It's a, it sounds very good. And let me explain to you. It's only for a catered affair where they've signed on 
they have a mashkir from the from the hashkocha. But most of the affairs that go on in my neighborhood here in in Flatbush, they are drop off parties, and they either will uh, help you get the, um, the waiters or you have to get them yourself. And uh, invariably, when they send you waiters, they don't send Shomer Shabbos. The people don't hire a mashkiach. You're right. When there's a larger type of fair, let's say you mentioned Kehila. I don't want to mention names, but let's say you said Kehila. You're right. So when Kehila has, will do whatever they feel they need to do to have a mashkiach to supervise the party, whether he's there the whole time or part of the time, or like, whatever you say. But a lot of parties are really drop-offs. And yes, they may take five hours, and it may have waiters. Hopefully, they don't have little napkins that say the name of the, of the uh, caterer. But, I mean, they, have, they, are, they might happen, but they're not supposed to. But when they have an affair that is under the catered affair of the, of the, with the caterer's name on it, then you're right. Then, the, then, then they'll send down a mashkiach well, on some level. Right, correct. Thank you very much for the point. Very good, well taken. Okay, do we have anybody else? Yes, okay, good. You're unconscious on the air. Can I help you? Yes, hello. Thank you very much for your show. I wanted to ask you about the little bags that are given out at a pigeon haben that have little pieces of garlic and cubes of sugar. I remember you saying that the pieces of garlic have bugs on them and they have to be cleaned and rinsed very well. Is there any concern about the bugs getting onto the cubes of sugar? I, I didn't think about it. Uh, I don't. Uh, I, I don't have a comment. I really don't know. I mean, you know, this is not really. Uh, you're, not, you're not trapping bugs in there. I. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, you know, it could happen. Anytime you you're near something, you might get bugs from something that has bugs. You're right, but I don't know if you have to say you can throw out the sugar. It's up to you. Um, but maybe you should take a look at it. That's a nice idea. Always a good idea to look. I, I remember you saying not to put the heads of garlic. Yeah, no, no, you're right about what we talk. You know, you're right. No, you're right about that. You're right about that because then you put it into your soup and you're gonna drink the soup. So, but here you're not taking the. You you you're looking at a piece of a sugar cube and you want to know whether something, ent- exited from the garlic and went into the sugar cube, could happen. So that's why we're always supposed to keep our eyes open. I don't know if it's. I don't know if you have to throw away the sugar cube. Somebody feels they do, they should, okay. But I, I didn't necessarily say that that's what you have to do. I thank you for the point, though. Okay, thank you. Uh, nice. Let me just mention a few things. I'm getting some nice um, pieces over here. And I, I, let me tell you, first of all, that that, that uh, first video that I mentioned, which is on Matzav, was done in Lakewood. And it was for Barbas and Rabbanan. So, I mean, I'm not going to discuss the, quali- the issue about watching a video, but I was just telling you that that's who was there. It was a top-flight program. Uh, and now I'm, I'm getting some amazing uh, <laughs> emails here, and I have to read one or two to you. Um, somebody said, I taught in the Williamsburg Cheder, and my students had long payas. A lot of them had hair shaved too high above the ear. So he thanks me for mentioning that. It's definitely true. Uh, what, what people don't understand is that it has to be, the line we're drawing is behind the ear. Above the ear, behind the ear, where the hair ends over there. So you have to start where the hair ends, above the, above the ear, and draw that line to the forehead. And if you try that on your fingers with your hands, or you look in the mirror, you'll see it's quite high. And that's why a lot of people make beautiful payas, but don't hit that spot. Somebody asked me why should, whether you need hashkoch on barbershops. Well, let me tell you something. Yeah, let me tell you something. You, you really do need hashkocha on the barbershop. That's why when you go to a barbershop, you have to be that mashkiach. All the years, that's what I did. Many, many years ago, when I was in Mir Yeshiva uh, for the second time, because I was there many times, I was there for the second time. So we, we, we used to, uh, Friday morning, we would, uh, we would leave the yeshiva and we would go to, uh, to, to Rav Nasha Klein Borough Park and hear a shear. It was a very good shear. And one of the people who, who was with us is now one of the Rosh Hashivas at Mir Yeshiva. So we're not, it wasn't a big avera we did because we, were all, we, we knew it was acceptable on a Friday morning. We, we came back in time to hear the shmuz from the Meshkiach and the David Mincha there. We were part of everything, but we ran over to Rav Nasha Klein. A nice group, very, very nice group. Menasha Klein one time 
turned around to us and showed us his ear and his payas and said, this is where you cut on the, uh, you know, where you cut the payas. You know, and he showed how behind the ear, which is what most people lose, that behind the ear is still an issue. And he showed us exactly what you have to include to be safe with the thing. And it's, it's amazing because I, all the years, had that because I had the training. So when I would go to a barber, I would say, excuse me, not that. And he, they show you in the video that, that even when you're using a scissors, because the scissors can t get very, very low, you can't clip the, with the scissors past a certain point behind the ear. That is also an issue. And a lot of people don't know that. And a lot of people use the, the, the haircutting machine zero behind the ear. And they're killing it. They're destroying the payas. It's, it's, a, it's a terrible thing. Many barbers don't know about this. Yes, I don't know if we need a mashkiach, but we need to be mashkiachim when we go to the barbers. Okay, go ahead. You're on Kashmir's on the air. Is somebody there? Go ahead, you're on the air. Hello? Hello? Nobody's there. Hello? Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Yes, yeah, we hear you, definitely. Go ahead. Yeah, I called you a couple weeks ago, and I couldn't hear you answer me about the... If it doesn't say paras on a product, could you rely on it? I couldn't hear that. Something went wrong with my phone. Okay, okay, let me explain. The, the Hashkocha holds that if they say OU or OK, that that means it's parva. That's what the Hashkocha holds. Now, do they, if you read Kasha's magazine, you'll see every issue, 100 products, about 100 products. Many of them are mislabeled. So maybe 30, 40 products are mislabeled. Maybe 15, 20 of them every two months when my magazine comes out, we're showing you that it was mislabeled. So as a rule, yes, that's what they want you to feel, that the OU or the OK or the KFK or whatever it is means that it's part of it. That's their rule. But you ask, don't ask me whether they're, whether they're perfect because they're missing a nice percentage of time. They miss it sometimes. What? But you? But everybody eats according to the row. What else is going to do? I mean, you're going to. You can't. There's no way for you to know. So whenever you buy something with Ashkochen, it has. It doesn't say dairy. Your assumption is that it's really parva. Okay. Uh, okay. What? There's no reason to be machmir at all. But one should always get should get the habit of looking at the ingredients too. And if the ingredients are something that might have a dairy component, so then if you want to pick up a phone, fine. If not, you might assume it's, it's part of it, okay. But at least it, we deserve the responsibility to look a little bit at the ingredients and no longer to rely just on the symbol because there are so many mistakes that occur. Okay? Uh, okay, can I ask another question? Yeah, go ahead, please. Um, I want to know about the wax on... Apple. What's, oh, this is What's a. This is not. This is a very hard question for me. Uh, it's something that uh, you know. It's very, very hard for me to answer. I I know the Hasidim are starting to be very mockpit on it. In the non-Hasidic world, they're not being mockpit on this at all. And really, what happens is like this. Within all the products that are out there, certain number of them. Have been have had on it a waxing that's not kosher, but whether or not that waxing makes your product unkosher is a different is a halachic question. It may be that it's bottle, etc., etc., etc. So so that's the aleph. The amount of those things that exist in the world that that are using a non-kosher uh, fatty acids, fatty esters, whatever it's called, on the outside and the shellac. Or whatever. So the amount of those are not that dramatic. Very, very, very few. That's why I don't think that most any of the regular hashkachas are makpid. But the chasidim becoming very makpid on yes. Yes, uh, I am. I come from chasidim, so yeah. I want to be machmer on it. I don't know which pairs do I have to even think about. Which like pairs? Is, uh, is it a wax? I have no idea. I, I don't know. Yeah, let me tell you. It the pairs. I mean the fruits that you're talking about, or the vegetables. Because you got them on a lot of things, cukes and stuff like that. So it's on almost everything. 
tomatoes and 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 uh, apples, not the pears because the unless it's a smooth pear, the the the, the brown dark brown brown the the, the ones with the, the darkish brown, they don't they don't put it on. But this but most of the fruits do because it's not just a waxing, it's a preservative. So when you study it, I've studied it. It's tremendous amount of our produce has this stuff on it, but it's being made all over the world with different kinds of waxes, most of which are kosher and not an issue. The, as I said, the majority of the regular kashrus agencies have not assumed uh, to be concerned about it. And I said, yes, the Hasidish are getting more so. His Sarabanim says that they're worried about it. And uh, a number of Hasidish groups that I've spoken with, I mean, uh, they, they, I see that they are Makpana very much. And it definitely is something that we'll take a lot, we'll be really are not finished with. This, we did an investigation many years ago, many, many years ago. I got together with the Volovarov, and we were trying to find out what they're using for the waxing. And the people in these places where they're using the waxing refused to speak to us. It was very, very difficult. So I, I don't know if you're going to get honest answers. Uh, and, and then, but what we really should do is to study once and for all and put out a little piece on it or something about whether or not there, it, it, it has a halachic bearing once it's on the product. In other words, is it because it's uh, it's found the outside? So is it like called nikav and nivdal? It has a, a status that it's not going to be bottled because you you have to go into it, you have to bite into it. Or do you say that uh, that it's so insignificant that it's bottled, it doesn't taste good, etc., and therefore you can say it's mutter? So I don't know. I don't know yet where to go with it, but uh, there's that definitely there's a there's a topic to discuss. But so far, no one in the regular cautious world is makpid. Thank you for the call. Um, and the, what about the, they have a spray? I saw in grocery stores. Doesn't take it. Or, no, no. This them. is this is a misnomer. It's very hard to get anything off. I know. I saw this thing too. It's very hard to get it to get it off. Really, it's really stuck on there. I don't think that that works. But but people do if they if they're nervous that they then they peel, like people do for Pesach. They'll peel everything, including a right, tomato. You can't, you can't peel a pepper. No, you can't peel a pepper. Um, right. Usually can't peel paper. I suppose if you froze it and this and that, but I, I get, I, yeah, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. You're not going to be able to peel pepper. So then that's a, that's an issue you could take up with one of the uh, Hasidish Rabbanim because they're they're the ones who are giving the Hashkachas and the Hasidish Hashkachas. Okay. Okay. Thank take you care. So much. Thank you for calling. Oh, there's so many calls coming and so many things coming in. We have calls? Oh, we, we lost all of them. <laughs> we lost all of them. So great, that great. If they want to call again, they can still call at 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. Let me just take a few, a few, uh, a few, a few of the texts here. No. Can I ask you? Okay. If, if I were going to clean the shul, regular, you know, regular shul as a guy in Shabbat, what about what is God going about the halachot over there? Excuse me. In a regular go, a regular non-Jewish person that basically cleaning the shul is the the, the the janitor over there in the shul, and many times doing many things that again, again like the same exactly like the the catering. But what is he doing? Is he uh, taking uh, the garbage outside, uh-huh. washing the floor, him cleaning? You know, well, should we should be rules in the shul? Do we have a rabbi? The rabbi should make up the rules for the shul. Okay, and that's what he should do. He should follow whatever the rabbi tells him and finish. Okay. It doesn't look right if you don't hold it. If you don't hold an Arab, so it looks like you, you told him to do it. And if you have a, a, backyard, a backyard of the shul, it's no problem to take out the garbage, right? As long as there's an, as long as it's within the proper confines, like an Arab. But I mean, it's it's a, it's a closed off or whatever, a gate, whatever the thing is. Is is the guy allowed to to tidy double nuts? No, no. I, I mean, if he does it on his own, you can let him do it. Because he's a goy. If he doesn't want it to open up, he's trying to do it. But you don't tell him to tie a double knot. Let me just take one or two of these things over here because it's very interesting. He says, I had a payous problem this morning. I told my barber before what to do. And he says, yeah, I know. I, I, I know, I know. So I trust him. But today, he narrowed my sideburns. All right, maybe he didn't. Maybe he had forgotten that you were the one who told him that he, you don't want that done. But obviously, you do have to go every time. Uh... He says, I've been with the barber for 16 years. I feel like I have no choice but to leave. Well, 
I don't know if that's true. Man, I can confront him and say, listen, I don't care what you do everybody else, but this is what I re- I'm mocked on. I was very strong with all the barbers all the years. Hopefully, I didn't have any problems. And, and if you did something and you, didn't know, and you told them not to, so you're not going to get Nevera. That, that's the that, that's Aleph. He gets the Avera, so it's very important. You don't want him to get an Avera. So obviously, you, you want to make sure that you, you don't look improper. People shouldn't learn wrong things from you. So you have to uh, put him on uh, notice that you're, you're mocked. But I don't think you have to leave him. Uh, usually, they're, they're, they're very considerate afterwards. Uh, another question came in. Uh, worry, well, whether Oreos are called Cholostam. Of course, they're called cholestam if they're milchiks. I don't know if Oreos are milchiks. Uh, that's a question that always comes up, and you have to call the OU and find out if the, the OUD makes it dairy or not. And sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. It changes this way, changes that way. That's an OU question to call the OU, 212-563-4000, and they'll tell you the answer to that. Um, uh, I don't know what that thing is. I, don't know, I, I, know, but I, know, but I don't know the name. I'm not used to it. Uh, let me see what else we have here. If one, ho- oh, if one hires a goy to clean a shul and he's taking out the garbage as part of his job to clean, why should it be any different than doing any other cleaning malacha that's just washing the floor? Again, you're not allowed to tell a goy or make part of his job something that would be also to do for a Jew to do as a direct chil or Shabbos. Indirectly, you can do certain things. Like, for example, you could tell him, can you get me something from the refrigerator? Now, you had left the light on in the refrigerator. So when he pulls something out of the refrigerator, he's turning the light on. But that's called psik ratio. So that's not something that the Torah forbid you to, 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 to have the goy break Shabbos on his own. It's, it's not considered, even though the only way to get to that thing in the refrigerator is by opening it up, you're not telling him to be Michal Shabbos. So that is not called an Amir al-Akum. It's permitted, at least as far as I, I know, that that's it's considered permitted. Uh, but what you do what you do have to be careful is not to tell him to do something that is a direct malacha. So let's say, for example, uh, washing with the hot water, uh, doing something else like this. We got to be careful. Um, you know, you, you, whatever you can't do, basically you can't tell him to do. Now he is used to washing with hot water. He wants it to be very clean. He wants you to be happy, but you're not asking him to do it. So therefore, if he goes ahead and to save time and for whatever his purposes are, he uses the hot water. He washes the floor in this way. Then he's doing it on his own. You're not doing anything wrong. But let's say, let me give you a simple example. The table. The table's dirty. Can you clean up the table, please? So now what we're supposed to do on Shabbos is put a little water on there. Not too much, and then rub it off with gently with a towel or, or something like that, and and then we and then uh, we're not doing schita because it's very light. We didn't put too much water, and that's how we clean off a table. But he may go ahead, and then he may got a sponge on and 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 use it over there. So that's not something that I told him to do. I'm not mechuyev to stop him from doing that. It's not a diet that is. It's not being done for the Jew. I just told him to clean it. However, he cleans it. That's his choice. That's called a daita the nafshika of it. If he thinks this is easier for him to do, and he wants to do this method, then it's not my business. Yeah, we got more callers. Okay, you're on Kashrus on the air. Can we help you? Yes, I wanted to know if to make very and grape juice, what percentage has to be grape juice and what percentage can be water. Well, now we have a very big problem because the grape juice that we have is watered down. Everything, the wine and the grape juice, has water in it. It has a significant amount of water for two reasons. One, it has actual water. And secondly, it has what they call concentrate, grape juice concentrate. Grape juice concentrate means that they sometimes they add the water to make it back to the way it was. So very often it's going to have a lot of water in there. It's advisable not to add water to that, if you want to know the bottom line, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would say that at least a third of it is water, 
and uh, I would say that you got to be pretty careful because you want you want it, but but uh, you, you you know if you want to put in, uh, I wouldn't go very much more. I would try to avoid it if you want it a little bit. I hundred percent uh, uh, grape oh, juice. Well, I know we. Like what? the light grape juice. On the light grape juice is total water. Take a look at it. Look at the words there. Read, read to me the... Read the... Don't tell me the name. Just read to me the ingredients. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you see it? No, I, I don't. Oh, you don't have it there. The, okay. the bottle, it says it's Bari No, I know it says Bari Piagafen because the, the, the Rabonim, you know, stretched it and they think it's Bore Priagoffin. But there's no question that you have liquid that's of water, you have water in there, plenty of water. Where they sneak it in is by calling it concentrate. So they took concentrate grape juice, added water to it, and used it in their, in their regular grape juice to sweeten it. So it's because it's very, very strong, very sweet. But just getting plenty of water in there. So I, I mean, if it's for the kids, look, look for Bracha Rishona, um, I wouldn't. I, I I wouldn't read anything to that. Light grape juice. If it's Brepio Guffin, you're lucky. I'm not convinced it is. But even if it is Brepio Guffin, you can't add a drop to it. Regular grape juice that you know just says all grape juice supposedly. You could add a little bit of water, but not too much. I can't tell you a number now. I really can't. You'd have. To, I'd have to research that. But uh, it, it's not the same as a regular wine. And even regular wine has water added to it. The regular wines also have water added to it. It doesn't say it on the label, but that's how you make wine. You add in water. It never is listed on the ingredients. They're allowed to add up to 34% water and sugar in, the, in, in New York State. I don't know each state or each part of the world where how much they can add in, and they don't have to say a thing because that's how you make wine. Okay? Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. Okay. You're unconscious on the air. Can we help you? Go ahead, please. Yeah. I had a share like this. Based on what you said before that you let a telecom indirectly, why is it any different if he's doing his job and to clean and indirectly he's taking out the garbage? That's convenient for him. No, let me explain to you. First of all, you, uh, whether you're a shul or you're an individual, you don't want them to take it out on Shabbos because it looks like you're taking it out. You can't even hand the goy something in, 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 your ha in your house if you think he's going to take it out and carry it out. There's a whole set of halachas in Shulchan Aruch about this. So we don't want anybody to carry out because it looks like we told them to do it. And you see, even though you're from and you understand everything and I understand everything, but we're afraid about the person who doesn't hop it. When they see the goy carrying it out, they say, Ah, oh, he told him to do it. Probably not a problem. You know what? I think he holds from the Arab. And you know what? I think there's nothing wrong if a goy does it. And this and that. We're gonna they're gonna learn from you things that you can't even believe. That's so then what he can't do anything in the shul, he can't wash the floor. He, he can do a lot of stuff. I, I'm not gonna discuss it all now, but he can do a lot of things, but he has to do it either a kosher way or he could have done it a kosher way, and he chose to not do it the kosher way. But then, so he could have taken the garbage out after Shabbos, and he decided that no, he no, to no, 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 no. That the point. My but my problem isn't whether it's a daitet and afshikavit. You're twerking with a daitet and afshikavit, but chazat. But the in Shulchan Aruch, it's in Shimon Simon Shin Chaf Hey. That's where it is. So Shimon Simon Shin Chaf Hey in Orachayim. It says that you cannot let. The, you can't give something to a goy because he may carry it out, and then people will say that you asked him to carry it out. My problem isn't the goy doing adatenafshe covered. I'm worried about what the person who's passing by thinks. It's a basically. A marisayan, but in the in the real in in yeah, so it's a marisayan, correct? It's not a shabbos issue, really, per se. Well, marisayan is correct, guarantee, oh. excellent. You're right. Thank you very much. Thanks for the call. Okay, any other callers? No? Okay, so let's take a look, quick look at what we have on the screen here. But, but you know what? I'm going to give out those numbers again. So let me just remind you what I told you about earlier. If anybody would like to set up a program to, for men or for ladies to learn how to check vegetables and prepare them, that they should be bug-free, contact us But if you want to set a program up. Don't contact us if just to go to a class. 
We really can't do that. We just want people who will set up a program of five or six people in their house, in a shul, in a place, wherever it is. If you're going to take it on, we'll help you work it out. And I'm going to give you two numbers of the people who can do the program. You just send me an email, kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com, and just say uh, on the outside, bug checking. That's all you have to do, and we'll set up a, we'll, we'll give you in touch with the people who set up the program. But it has to be you want to do, set a program. I got calls from people who want to come. I don't can't deal with that now. We have to set up the programs. Secondly, we mentioned that anybody who's listening to me now who wants to become a mashkiach in a in a uh, with a well paying job, in the, right away, we're gonna we, we're, we're training people now. Starting Motzei Shabbos. Now, if you can't make that one, so maybe you can make it the next week or whenever the next session is. But contact me immediately if you want to join that program. Just write on the outside of the email. Just write uh, Mashkiach Training. And if you give me your number and your telephone number and your, your, your name, and that, that we'll get back to you. And that is for at Kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S at AOL.com. Or call us. 718-336-8544 and we'll help you get into the field of kashras in an effective, well-trained way, making a decent parnasa because we're talking now about not the low end, but a much higher end in in in, in the mashkichim. So it's really worth your investigating. We're looking for people, young people, uh, hopefully no older than 30 or 30 or a couple or you know, into the 30s. They're not looking for older people who want to recycle their life and to go in a different area. We're really interested in some people who ent- want to enter the field and try it out and see if this is for them. Thank you very much for listening. This is your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Cautious Magazine, wishing you a wonderful week.